Good afternoon and welcome to the latest episode of LaMagicast. I'm your host, Scott Monroe. Welcome to episode 224. Uh, this this is a special episode. Uh, we are not previewing Roma Lecce at, at the weekend. Uh, we'll be reviewing that game on Monday evening and then we'll probably be back next week to do the the two games going up into the Derby and the Slavia Praha game. But with me this Friday afternoon, and thank you for joining me. I've got the co-creator of uh, BTL Vid, which is Breaking the Lines. I have the wonderful Zach Lowy. How are you, Zach? Doing very well, Scott. Great to be on. And uh, yeah, I've been very busy with my work and with Breaking Lines, but got some great uh, content coming up for you on BTL. Uh, you know, I've been... We've really been expanding uh, and just being a lot more diverse in our content. Um, so, you know, over the past week, we've discussed an Ivorian player who was in Israel's second tier a few months ago and is now one of the top scorers in Austria's top flight. Mm. Uh, we've, you know, done a lot of stuff on Saudi Arabia, Brazil, a lot of niche leagues. Um, and recently did one on Portsmouth's impressive season. So definitely make sure to check out our Twitter account and our website for new content. I think Portsmouth still one of, I think it's four or five clubs that are still unbeaten so far this season in England. Yeah, I believe they haven't lost since March, actually. Yeah. And um, yeah, I I don't really follow League One that much. Uh, I do follow League One, but... Yeah, not League One, League one only yeah. two, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I watch, but, you know, I watch League, yeah, I watch League Two and League One. It is, it is. Um, let me talk about, can I talk about your website and your podcast? You do some excellent stuff on the website. Uh, you, uh, you've mentioned some of the stuff that you've done. I remember reading, you did stuff on Alfie May not so long ago. And I, I remember sending you a link to one of his goals after he scored from about 50 yards out for Cheltenham away at Peterborough. But have you got, what was like? the main sort of stuff that you've done this year in 2023, because it's been a big year for football. Yeah. I mean, we've been doing, like I said, we've just been trying to expand our content. So Mm. one, actually one writer of mine who used to be doing a lot of player analysis stuff. He recently founded uh, this website, Saudi world football. And so he's been doing a lot of stuff for, for that site as well as for us. So as such, we've been doing a lot of Saudi football. Um, we also have, you know, a uh, weekly Brasileirao, Brasileirao mm. roundup, um, you know, on Twitter and the website. And that's been really good because, you know, if you're like me and don't really have the time to watch games of Fluminense, Flamengo, Palmeiras, it's a really good crash course um, and keeping you updated. But yeah, obviously, we you know focus on the major leagues, but I'm very proud to say that, you know, we're not just focusing on the Premier League and the Championship, which we've done a lot of. In fact, we've got 
an, an article coming up, uh, a few articles coming up on the championship on Norwich's Jonathan Rowe and uh, Joel Pito and, and Jorginho Ruta for Leeds, but also, you know, down the leagues in League One, League Two. So that's been really my focus since I launched Breaking Lines, just trying to uh, stay away from clickbait and stuff and try to focus on, you know, really interesting topics um, and things that, you know, you definitely won't find in a uh, in mainstream websites. Like the piece we just did on Mohamed Bamba, um, this player in Austria for Wolfsburger, like he doesn't even have his own sofa score picture. Really? <laughs> it's it's <Wow>. completely blank. <laughs> so and and yet, you know, already I believe five goals so far. So I've been very proud with the progress we're making. We've got some big uh, you know, developments coming up uh for BTL. But yeah, I've just been very happy with everything. And um and yeah, I'm I'm very excited to get things going. And about your podcast as well. Well, you did plenty of podcasts on BTL. I imagine with the work going in that, you may have had to stop or, yeah, stop doing a couple. Yeah, I mean, we are aiming to get our podcast uh, network back up and Mm. running soon. Uh, We did have uh, multiple podcasts at a certain point, but that's kind of cooled down. Uh, I'm glad to say that our articles have not cooled down. Good. Oh, but, good. Yeah. yeah, my Quartelinish podcast, which I was doing on Portuguese football, I've stopped doing that because, um, yeah, my producer, Juan, who is still who's still in the uh, BTL organization, still in the BTL team, he's just had a lot of work on his shoulder getting a new job, so hasn't been able to produce it. So, yeah, unfortunately, I uh, had to stop that, but... As far as my podcast, uh, I, I have been doing this podcast since February, Zach Louis' European Football Show on Betcoza, um, which is a South African betting site that I've been working for since, um, since, since 2019. And yeah, I've been running my own podcast. I was previously on, you know, coming on as a guest, but I've had the chance to speak with a lot of really interesting folks. Um, including Derek Ray, the, the, oh, yeah, the announcer on yeah. yeah. So, hey. you know, some great people for sure. And I've been also very proud of the fact that I've been able to, um, to, to get a diverse bunch of people. You know, I've gotten like two Ghanaians so far, two Nigerians, you know, I've gotten people from France, from Spain, Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that, that like my mentality for this podcast is the same as my mentality for breaking the lines, you know, football is a global game and we need to, uh, we need to include as many different corners of the world as we can. Um, and I think that, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I think we do a pretty good job of that on on Zach Lowy's European football show, which, you know, we, we just reached 30 episodes, uh, this, this past week. Um, so I had Oma Akatuba on this Nigerian journalist who is always interviewing some player. He was just interviewing Iwobi, uh, this past week. And he's somebody who I've known for quite some time. And, and I had on 
some podcasts in the early days of BTL back in like 2017, 2018. Um, and I also had 50 plus donor, this, this guy, Jake, um, from, from Chicago, who I just started following a few weeks ago. And he's like super interested into, in, in German football. Um, and he's always like coming up with these super random, uh, like ideas for his Twitch shows. Like, uh, the last one out, it was like, he was trying to build a Bundesliga, but using U.S. cities. So, for example, Munich in North Dakota, oh, Berlin wow. in New Hampshire. Jeez. Uh, so, you know, and, and people like Jake, like, I, I love them because they, they are not afraid to be nerds. You know, they're not afraid to nerd out about their passion. And he knows more. He's more passionate and enthusiastic about German football than pretty much anybody I know. Um, so that I think is, is one of my prerogatives for BTL, you know, obviously, uh, getting some, getting big names on, we've gotten quite a few. We're going to have a few next week, such as Dougie Critchley, um, and Raj Chohan, but just getting people who are very passionate and knowledgeable, you know, it doesn't matter if they don't have the, um, if they don't have the strongest grasp of English, as long as they can uh, convey their ideas pretty clearly. You know, we had one Monaco fan who's, who's French, obviously, and while he spoke with an accent, he was just so knowledgeable about uh, Monaco and Liga. And, and so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, that's what, that's my prerogative for the, for this show, to keep people informed with what's happening. You know, I want to at least go over each game briefly in, in Europe's top five leagues. And, you know, obviously I want to delve deep into quite a few topics like what's going on, what's going wrong with Manchester United, you know, why are mines uh, bottom of the Bundesliga right now? So I, I've tried to mix things up, you know, tried to do some Bundesliga heavy podcasts, some Serie A podcasts, some Liga, but whilst not ignoring the other leagues. Um, and I think that, that that's something that I'm trying to change with mainstream football journalism, you know, because I think that too often the focus is on the Prem, Real, PSG, Barca, Bayern, the super clubs, right? And that's one thing that I'm trying to change at BTL, showing people that, you know, these stories you haven't heard of, they're not you know, they're not showing them at Sky or ESPN, but you should read this. You know, it's like, you know. Uh, and, and I think that, that there are so many that we've done. Portsmouth, for example, everybody um, remembers that Portsmouth team from the late 2000s, right? With, mm-hmm. with guys like Kranschkar and uh, Sol Campbell, you know, winning the FA Cup. Everybody knows them as one of the biggest fallen giants in English football, right? The only team in, in, in Premier League history to suffer administration. Uh, but guess what? You know, they're no longer a fallen giant. They're on the up. They're, they're, they're pushing to return to the championship. And that's a story that's worth telling. I think they are one of the, the first clubs to be relegated to the fourth tier of English football from the Premier League. And there's only one other club that is, that was in the first year of, or has been in the Premier League that has fallen lower, and that's Oldham Athletic. They were in the first 
Premier League season and now they're in the Panorama National League, which is a massive fall of grace. I'm I'm happy that Portsmouth are doing well. I I do look at your website and see some of the stuff you're talking about. You mentioned Brazilian football earlier. Um, Is it uh, the Botafogo and Leon owner? Is it John Tector? Going on a massive rant on Brazilian TV after their game midweek and which is one of the best things I've seen in the last couple of weeks. It's I like to see characters like this in football. And the red card in that game was um, was not a red card, let's say, to be honest. It was a bit harsh. But <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I have watched a bit of South American football in my past. And the Copa Libertadores final this weekend is actually on British TV. It's on BBC Three. And I do like the theatrics of South American football. I was going to say the S. Housery as well. But you do get that. You do get that in South American football, don't you, Zach? It's just the passion, the vibe. Yeah. Everyone loves it. Yeah, you do get that. It's funny. I actually, I, I, nobody's going to believe this, but I actually did have a brief conversation on Twitter, uh, on, on DMs, um, with John Texter before he left Twitter. Cause, and, and <laughs> I think that he's from Jupiter, Florida, uh, um, okay. you know, where I've been a few times. And so I was just uh, talking to him out. I really like this, um, this uh, Jewish deli in Jupiter, and it's oh, it's gonna kill me. Two J's. It's like got the best. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with Jewish food, but it's got some incredible. Great, sorry, if you're ever in if you're ever in Jupiter, Florida, go there. Um, but we were talking a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I get it. He is pissed off, and Botafogo. I mean, like I said, I've I've been even though I haven't really watched any uh, Brasileiro, I've been following uh, the Brazilian top flight more than I ever have uh, through this through this uh, great weekly uh, rundown that our our writer uh, Scottish writer Martin Crawford has been doing on the Brasileiro. Um and yeah, I I don't have a Brazilian team, but I've definitely been cheering for Botafogo because. You know, they've only won the Serie A uh, twice in 1968 and 1995. And in fact, they were playing in the second tier as recently as, I think, two years ago. Um, And they've been incredible this season. They've been uh, actually in first place for like the entirety of the the season. Um, But they were in some really poor form. Uh, and and that caused them to sack Bruno Lage, who was who took over midway through the season for Luis Castro after he left for Al Nasser. Um, but yeah, Botafogo just three points above Palmeiras, although they do have a game in hand. So we're definitely getting down to the nitty gritty uh, the last seven games. And I'm I'm really hoping that they can pull it off and uh, win their first league title in what thirty years or so. Fingers crossed. Uh, Bruno Large was the ex Wolves manager that got sacked. I want to say just before the World Cup last year, and then Julian yeah. Lopetegui took over, and now Lopetegui's not in the job, and Gary O'Neill's in the job. Um, I wanted to get you on and to speak about Italian football. Also, as this is mainly 
driven as an Italian podcast, as an Italian team podcast. Um, Serie A this season's been quite interesting. There's been teams that I thought would have struggled, haven't struggled. Teams like Roma have been like slow burners and just, apart from last last game against Inter, did well for 80 minutes and then defensively, not in attacking sense, but then conceded. But what have your overall thoughts of Serie A has been this season? For sure. I mean, it's so unpredictable. Uh, I think that, well, there's no team that quite defines unpredictable like Roma. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, these past few years, I've definitely been getting a lot more into Serie A. Uh, I am Italian-American and, and I've been, mm. you know, following it for a while. But, uh, the, you know, this season I've actually started working with BetUS. So I've come on a few of their podcasts to uh, discuss Serie A uh, betting picks. Um, and I've also been writing betting picks for Serie A uh, as well as other major leagues in Europe. But... Um, and I'm I'm going to come on as well for Thanksgiving to discuss uh, to discuss the upcoming game. So excited for that! But yeah, I think that with regards to the general picture of Serie A, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that over the past few years it has been the most competitive league um, in football. Right, four different winners over the past four years, whilst teams like PSG and Bayern create a monopoly for themselves. Uh, that's that's been incredibly unique, and I think that yeah, it's it's hard to pick a team to beat, right? Who, pick who is the team to beat because it seems like it's just constantly going back and forth. Uh, Milan were my pick to win the Scudetto. This went when for our preseason picks, but I feel like I'm not so sure um, because I just think that r- right now they're. I think that Stefano Pioli, he's a fine manager, but I do think that there are some times where he can just be a little too conservative um, and shoot himself in the foot. I think we saw that in the recent match against Napoli, taking off Giroud and Leao. Um, but I think that, you know, it's just, it's such a competitive league, like I said. Um, you know, it's incredible that a team like Roma that has spent so much under Mourinho is now ninth in the table. Yeah. And we've got Bologna, um, Lazio. I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to try to watch that match. Say, I'm going to watch that tonight. Um, that's going to be a really interesting uh, matchup. So Bologna, they've, they've done quite well under Thiago Mota. But yeah, I think it's just very hard to pick the team to beat. I mean... I would probably say Inter right now, given the fact that, you know, they've only conceded five goals. They've scored 25, but still just two points above Juve and three above Milan. Um, And I think they're, I don't want to say they're a thin squad, but I do feel like, I mean, you look at their team, right, with, um, with Arnautovic out, They've got, what, Alexis Turan and Lautaro for the the attack, which is pretty good for Serie A standards, right? Like, that's something that that Inter, you know, they can they can bring on a player like 
Fratesi or Alexis off the bench. Mm. That's pretty incredible. You can't say that about too many teams. But I think that there are just so many interesting storylines. You know, you've got Inter with the two ex-Gladbach players in Solmer and Turam uh, doing their thing. You've got Juve. Yeah, kind of a new-look Juve team um, with a lot of youngsters like well, not not Fagioli anymore, but, you know, players like uh, Samuel Illing Jr., Cambiasso, so on and so forth. Uh, and, yeah, they're, they they love their eye-gouging defensive style <laughs> of play that results in a clean sheet every single day. A 1-0 um, win. So, like I said, I, I just feel like... There are as many as, like, six different teams who can win the Scudetto. You know, I think that Napoli, I I don't see why they couldn't get themselves into the picture. I mean, they've shown that they can win without Osimhen. They've they've shown that, you know, uh, they have so much talent. And I do think that they're going to eventually start hitting their stride. I think that Natan, despite his recent sending off, He's going to be a very good signing in central defense for them. Kwicha uh, Kwaratskhelia, you know, such an incredible player. Um, but I, I have to say, I think that one player who's really surprised a lot of people is Matteo Politano. Kind of, oh, yeah. You know, rotating between him and Lozano uh, in the Scudetto winning team. And obviously, you know, those two players on the right wing, they were kind of considered the weak link of that uh, Napoli front six, but uh, Politano coming in clutch and really stepping up. What an incredible goal uh, against Milan. So, yeah, there's so much to discuss from Serie A, but um, I do think that right now Roma have to be considered probably the biggest disappointments of the season's opening quarter. I'm with you on that. Oh, we also saw Calorie coming back from despair at the weekend. I missed this game because I was watching the cricket. They were 3-0 down with 20 minutes ago and win 4-3. Clutch Ranieri doing it right at the end. And that that was their first win of the season. I saw Empoli sacking their manager after the Roma game, which ended 7-0. And they went back to their old guard, who was also the former Roma coach at the end of the 2012-13 season, Aurelio Andriazzoli. And then he's got them playing football and looking less less open and more structured to the way that Empley want to play the football. Like the idea of playing the four three one two, which has been in their system for a while, and they look a, a decent team. They they won at Fiorentina a couple of Mondays ago, two 0 and then there's yeah. Salernitano who's gone to is it Pippo Inzaghi? I think it is. If I'm not mistaken, I could be horrifically wrong after letting go uh, the ex-Portuguese midfielder for Juventus. Yeah, Palermitana, I think they stacked Paulo Sousa. That's it, Paulo Sousa. Um, and went with Inzaghi. But, you know, the thing is, I remember it because I put as one of my Serie A picks uh, for BetUS, I said Fiorentina were going to... I can't remember what it was. It was like both teams to score or like Fiorentina to get like over one goal or something. But I, I was confident Fiorentina were going to get a result and they messed it up. And that's why like, that's their Achilles heel as, as well as they've done 
this season, I just feel like they're so inconsistent against the league's bottom sides. I feel like there isn't a single team that they couldn't beat in Italy, you know, and that's a testament to the work that Vincenzo Italiano has done with La Viola. You know, they've got some incredible players, Giacomo Bonaventura, uh, you know, hitting the strides at 34, and, you know, they, they are capable of putting up a lot of goals. But do they have that consistency? Obviously, I you know, I, I don't think they'll win the Scudetto, but... I do think that they should definitely be aiming to get into the uh, get get into the top six, you know, get it move up to the Europa League at least um, and take that step up. Obviously, they were given a reprieve and uh, allowed into the Europa Conference League due to Juve's ban. So I think that you, Fiorentina, they're they're just such an interesting team. But yeah, I think that Italiano, he's a top coach who I've admired since he was at Spezia. Um, and I would definitely like to see them do well because they've been kind of like the bigger, one of the biggest underachievers in Italy over the past few years. There's been a few teams like that. Um, I see Torino, Bologna. The two Roman clubs have been a bit up and down recently in, in I think, in Serie A. I've, if it wasn't for COVID, I think Lazio would have won Serie A that season in 2019-20. They were yeah. streets ahead of being one of the, the best teams in, in Italy. It pains me to say this, as this is a Roma podcast, and we have mentioned this before, but you just want to see some consistency in with, these, with these teams. And if it if it wasn't for COVID, they would have been Serie A champions, and it was frightening how good that team was. But when I, see- I stand by the fact that I think that uh, Az Alkmaar would have won the Eredivisie really in, year, before it happened. Yeah, when they, they were actually level on points yeah. with Ajax when the season ended, and then obviously Eredivisie is one of the few teams to end it prematurely. Um, and then they lost like so many key players, like Stangs and Coop Miners. So unfortunate, but they've been able to push on at least. Yeah. Um, all right. I got you on here to talk about Roma. You said that Roma, and I do agree with you, have been a, a bit of a disappointment in the first little part of Serie A this season. How have you felt they have been this season, and how do you feel they are performing with Mourinho in charge? Remember, Mourinho got Roma to two European finals, 1-1. We don't talk about the other one because it will give me PTSD and or we'll mention a referee who's been demoted today to the championship they lost on penalties to the Europa League kings of modern day football in Sevilla but how do you feel Roma have been this season and overall with Jose Mourinho in charge yeah I mean I I definitely haven't watched as much the Roma games as you have this season but I've watched I've watched a handful Um, I'll be honest like whenever I tune in for a Roma game, Mourinho is not on the bench. I don't know, like, <laughs> what's on it, but I feel like he's had, like, a million suspensions this yeah. season. Um, but, yeah, Roma, obviously, they had a slow start. Um, but I think that right now, yeah, the jury's still out on them. I mean, they haven't really done that well, I have to say. I think getting demolished by Genoa oh, 
That's got to be one of the most embarrassing results of Mourinho's managerial career. Um, You know, didn't do enough against Torino either. Took care of business and had a decent run of spell to to start October. Um, But, of course, their first... The, their first non-victory in October was that match against Inter, which I did watch. Um, and it was funny because obviously, you know, going into that match, the entire uh, headlines were about Lukaku going back to his former side. You know, he's pissed off that Inzaghi benched him in the, in the Champions League final. And, you know, Inter fans going to risk a 500 euro fine to whistle him. And yeah, I don't know. I may need to rewatch it, but I can't remember them whistling him too much. Cause like he just wasn't really on the ball that much. And, um, and I just think that it was honestly a scoreline that flattered Roma. They just were not really in that game, you know? And I think that's what, um, that's what Mourinho set up for, right? Kind of going for a defensive setup uh, with Bove, Paredes, and Cristante. Um, but I think that, you know, they, they need to take the game more to the opposition. I realize that Mourinho is their manager, but I also think that in the first two years, we saw some really good attacking sequences mm-hmm. at times. And I don't think anybody will deny that it, it has been fairly positive. I don't want to say it's been a, a huge success Mourinho's time because the fact is they haven't they have spent a lot of money and they haven't really been able to take that next step up in domestic competition. In European competition, yes, you know, Mourinho has done a fantastic job. Um however, I do think that this is this is approaching make or break time. Uh you've got to show up against the big sides, right? You've got to, uh, you know, you, you've got to show your value. And they've been struggling, right? They, they were very close, in fact, to dropping points to a 10-man Monza until Il, Il Faraone yeah. showed up. Um, but, yeah, I think that the two biggest, um, two biggest things for Roma are going to be can Paolo Dybala stay fit? And can Romelu Lukaku keep it up? Because if you can get those two together, I think that's going to be definitely a very interesting, a, a very powerful, potent attack. Um, and in fact, I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, because it seems like Dybala has pretty much missed every single match this season. Um, but I'm wondering if... Like if 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 Mourinho decides to switch it up from his three five two and go with like Dybala in the ten with you know Pelotti or Faraone in the uh, in the uh, in the second striker role alongside Lukaku, I also think that in general when you've got you know young players uh, like Bove and and. Zalewski, as well as new signings like Awar and Paredes, it can take some time to, can definitely take some time to deal. But I just, I, I do think that right now, my bigger question is, can Roma do anything besides 
like shrivel up into their shell against top teams. Um, I want them to, you know, I want them to succeed. My, my cousin's a diehard uh, Roma fan, and we're always talking about the Giallorossi. But, yeah, I just feel like they're still kind of, they've been very reliant on Lukaku, obviously. Um, I feel like midfield is my biggest question mark with them. You know, I think that Indica could be a good pickup. I think that Llorente has definitely shown some good signs since arriving in January. So I think that in defense, they're okay. Midfield is actually my bigger concern, um, right? Do they have that defensive protection with Matic gone? As well as do they have the production from wingbacks, right? Oh, I think yes. that Inter, like, you, there's a there's a strong argument to be made that Inter have the best wingback duo in football with, um, with Dumfries and Di Marco, right? Are we going to get that same production from Karsdorp, Spinazzola, Zalewski and, and co? No, that was the, one of our main topics on the, the pod we talked about on in against Inter. Cause our winbacks that day were, Sorry, on Sunday was uh, Christensen, who has not done well since moving from Leeds to Italy. And um, it was Zaleski, and Dumfries was all over Zaleski. And it was painful to watch. I think Celic came on and Karsdorp. I think the wing-back situation is a must sort out for Roma. Um, It's been... A bit painful. I still think you could probably get away in some games with Karsdorp on one side and Celic on the other, or Karsdorp and Spinazzola. Um, I think Spinazzola is in his last year of his contract, and I don't think it's going to get renewed, which is a shame because he was one. He yeah. was the, the best player in Euro twenty twenty. I mean, on his day, he is one of the. He he's one of the best, most creative wing backs. Mm. Um that there is. And yeah, I felt so bad for him in that Euros when he was having the tournament of his life um, and he got injured, but he's a, you know, it seems like he's had a very interesting career with Atalanta, Juve, Roma. Um, good looking man as well. I must say with his, <laughs> My with his new teeth. Actually, what's up? With, with his new teeth, his dentistry. Yeah, his new teeth and eyes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> My fiancé was, was saying, like, oh, he's so handsome during the years. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she was crying when he got injured. Oh, it, it was a shame. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, August, oh, well, shit, we're going to miss one of our best players for six months in Jose's first season. And also, Roma play with a back three. When, when Mancini yeah. at Italy, they won it with a back four, and he was balling and cooking oh god i sound like a 21 year old talking on tiktok um he he was um he was he was doing really well playing at left back and absolutely schooling everyone and then it was the kryptonite against belgium and there has been flashes where he's been like that for roma against monza he was unplayable but and then there's games where he just drifts in and out on the midfield, I do agree with you. We do miss a DM, but I think he tried to switch to play a bit because he started both Paredes and Cristante. And I feel Cristante is a, is a 
a good player. He's Mr. Reliable and he's, he, he's thrown some egg on a lot of people's faces with his performance yeah. this season. I think he's been one of Roma's best players. Playing a bit further forward, which he did for Atalanta under Gasparini, where he scored yeah. 10 goals in that season. I think it was 16-17, where Atalanta were amazing to watch. He's played in centre-half this season when... Uh, who got, I think Lorente got injured. Chris Smallins just had this horrific injury run where I don't know when he's going to be fit again. But there is that dynamic of in the midfield where I think it's taken a lot of time to get used to with Matic not being there. Paredes is a different type of player. He's a deep line playmaker where he's got the vision to play with the ball. Matic is probably the defensive midfielder, which is he's been the rest of his career, sorry, where he's been at Chelsea, Benfica, Manchester United, at Roma, and what he's doing at Wren now. And you've had Pellegrini be injured, a bit of fitness problems with Renato Sanchez, which, oh my God, yeah, um, that's a podcast for a different story, for a different time, Zach. (laughs) Renato Sanchez, I'll do it in the Portuguese, Renato Sanchez with his uh, injury problems. Um, The Bala last played, was last involved, was the calorie game. And I think he's going to be playing this Sunday. And I do agree with what you said. I would love to see Roma play a 3-4-1-2, have the Bala in as a number 10, dropping a bit deeper and having two strikers. If it's Lukaku and Al Shawari, or if it's Lukaku and Bellotti, mm-hmm. I would be absolutely happy with that. But don't do that in the big games. Try it out in Europe. Yeah. It, like the Europa League group, as it is, is Roma, Slavia, Praha, Servet, and Sheriff Taraspol, which. Roma are three from three. They've done really well in Europe this season, bar the first game where it a bit hit and miss in Sheriff in Moldova. They should qualify with that along with Slavia Praha. Avoid the, I was going to say the Champions League teams. It's probably Sevilla will probably drop down to the Europa League and I will just be like, please don't get Sevilla. Please don't get Sevilla in like the round of 16. But I do agree with you. It's been like, it's been changed this season. Like it's not the three four two one of what it was the previous two seasons. Roma have had horrific injury forms. With I was at the game where Abraham got injured against Spezia. Um, the two one game, Dybala scored in the last minute. Roma could have lost that game. Could have been curtains. They were dreadful for times against Spezia, and then uh, Spezia lost the relegation playoff a week later against Hellas. It just took to Roma a lot of time to to kick on this season. I think pre-season was horrific. They were supposed to go to Asia, and then they went to Portugal and played four games, three games in Portugal, and then Toulouse in Toulouse's ground before Liga and started the week. I think Liga and started the same week as Serie A. But fingers crossed, Roma have got Lecce, Slavia, Praha, and then the derby next week, and then. Thankfully, everyone's favourite Roma player, if you support Lazio, is no longer at the club. He's now with the most horrific hairstyle and the most comedic own goal he scored last week was Roger Ibanez. And I'm just hopefully Roma can get a good result against Lazio because Lazio have had the wall over Roma's eyes recently and Roma need to perform and set the bar straight after a poor start to the season. Absolutely. 
I think we've pretty much covered everything I wanted to talk about. I know I said to you it would be about 30 minutes, but we went a little bit over. Um, Zach, the floor is yours. Where can we follow your work on social media? Yeah, so you can follow my personal account on Zach Lowy, Z-A-C-H-L-O-W-Y. Um, you can also find Breaking the Lines, uh, Breaking Lines articles on BreakingTheLines.com as well as BTL Vid. Um, you know, we've got some big plans coming up, uh, but yeah, we're just really trying to constantly push the the next big thing the the stories that not that not enough people are talking about so yeah i think that you're going to uh like what you see on breaking the lines and we're we're definitely going to be covering a lot of action with regards to roma as well oh good to hear good to hear uh guys you can follow us at lamagicast.com you can see the previous 223 episodes as we're up to 224 uh, uh, on the on the website you can follow us on all podcast platforms apple spotify podbean etc etc um as i said earlier we'll be back monday uh, to review the lecce game and then we'll, we'll be back friday to review the slavia praha away game in prague on thursday and to preview the Derby della Capitale. Um, Zach, thank you once again for taking time out of your busy day in the US to come on and speak to me for 40 minutes about this. Absolute pleasure to have you on and you're more than welcome to come on again. Thank you so much. Guys, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy the football uh, and uh, Force Aroma. Ciao.